Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding. We're a couple of bird brains looking for adventure and some birds. I'm Hannah. And I'm Eric. And we bring you this podcast to share our adventures with you and talk about random thoughts on other birding topics. Just a couple of disclaimers, we're not experts. And if we discuss any controversial material, we hope you'll keep an open mind. But also remember, that what we discuss, it's our own opinions. So in this week's episode, we'll be talking about our recent trip we took up to Alabama and Georgia, and also we sat down with Kristen Summers of Bourbon and Birdies to discuss her artwork and what she's passionate about. So Hannah, do we have any birding news this week? Um, just a couple of things. That Zenaida dove is still continuing in Florida. A lot of people have seen it, which is a cool bird to get out and see, so if you're down in the Miami area, you might consider checking it out before it heads off. What did I see on Facebook that has been... People from all around the country and over 160 photographs uploaded online. I think it was over like 300. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a lot. That's crazy. Of one little bird. Um, And also there have been a couple of little egrets that are code four. And those have been found in Maine and Newfoundland. So a couple birds there. And then also a couple of the southern birds that we have down here in the south seem to have gotten lost. Um, A blue-gray gnatcatcher and a northern perula were both recorded in British Columbia recently. Huh. That's crazy. And also, eBird will update soon to reflect the lumps and splits that were recently settled upon. Um, These new changes will result in an additional 36 species um, from those splits, and actually five new species are being recognized. So the total number of bird species globally is now at 10,585. That's a ton of birds. That's a lot to see. Yeah, need to get a bigger list. <laughs> um, for those of you who eBird extensively, you may notice some of those changes in the second or third week of August, uh, according to their website. Uh, the list order may change, and and uh, some of us may be getting some armchair lifers. So uh, as long as you've been diligently reporting those uh, subspecies that they're uh, doing some splits with. I like those armchair lifers, but I also feel really lazy. <laughs> yeah, feels like we have to go out and see it again. See it again, yeah. Um, so the adventure that we were going to talk about today, uh, it took off in search for a grasshopper sparrow, which was a lifer for me. I've already seen one. It was, uh, in the Houston area at Sheldon Lake State Park, uh, and Hannah was a park ranger there, so. Yeah, well, I couldn't have you have that, couldn't let you have that one up on me. (laughs) Um, my life list needs had a grasshopper sparrow pretty high on the list, and so we sorted it, and at that point, that was... Kind of the one to chase. That made the most sense. Yeah, so that's why we went for it. And that's kind of where we're at with our birding, is just looking for those chase birds um, here and there. Of course, you know, it's not as, our life list isn't as amazing as some people's, but um, we're getting down to the wire on some of them. Yeah, for for some regions of the country. So using the power of eBird, I found a spot where they've been frequently seen this time of year. Yeah, so Saturday morning we got up pretty early um, and headed up to Columbus, Georgia, so we could uh, bird around Oxbow Meadows Environmental Learning Center, which is part of Columbia State University. Columbus State Columbus, not Columbia. (laughs) Columbus State University. Wrong side of the country. Yeah. It was was kind of odd driving in because at first you turn into a hotel parking lot and then you drive past the infantry museum on, on base there. Before you finally reach the park. Yeah, it seemed like we needed some sort of clearance to access it. Yeah, but there was a whole bunch of people that were in uniform. It, it looked like they were going to some sort of event. But they, it looked it like just, a ceremony. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if it might just be a Saturday family visiting or something. But So we got to the Learning Center. We went right out onto the trails. And right away we saw house finches, northern cardinals, and heard some chickadees just right there within feet of the 
the little environmental learning center they have. Yeah, there's a cool little bird garden. I think it was supported by the local Audubon. Yeah. That was just right down the trail and had all those things with a feeder. Uh, but once that started to slow down, we kept on walking down the trail and found an osprey nest on a cell tower. It was really out in the open. It was super cool. Um, we st- sort of hopped from patch of shade to patch of shade after that. Well, and that worked pretty well because the shaded areas were basically where all the bird activity was. The birds were hunting for uh, bugs and stuff just out, just from the shade, hunting out into the sunlight. So we got a lot of good looks at uh, a lot of small passerines, and uh, we saw a bunch of uh, flycatchers in, in that first area, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah, and we had some great looks at white-breasted nuthatch, indigo bunting, and summer tangers. But my favorite was when we got back to the bird garden, and there was a prothonotary warbler there. Man, we've been chasing that prothonotary around the country. We saw it in, in Houston, finally, but... Uh... It's been hard for us to find that yeah, guy. Yeah, for some reason. They had a siren that started going off pretty much within within seconds of us seeing that prothonotary. <laughs> it was so loud, and it's kind of something I guess you got to keep in mind. Uh, it's a practice siren for, uh, I guess, emergency weather. They alarm it every Saturday or every day. We were not really sure. Yeah. People had differing stories as to when it went off. Yeah, but at least it goes off at noon. So if you leave before noon or you just anticipate that it's going to happen at noon, you should be all right. Yeah, cover your ears. Um, So I was a little disappointed at that point that we hadn't seen a grasshopper sparrow, and we were already back to the the little nature center, and there wasn't really even any habitat to support one all along that walkway that we did. So then Eric decided to take the adventure mini off-roading. Yeah, it wasn't really off-roading. It was There was a gate, it was gravel, there was, there was no sign that said, no trespassing, don't enter. <laughs> It wasn't crazy It's an invitation to come in. Yeah. Yeah, it's an open (laughs) gate. Um, Okay, so we drove down it slowly and listened for the call and didn't hear it, didn't hear it. And there was beautiful meadows along the side of the the little gravel trail there. And then finally we heard it. And Eric trudged through the meadow to see if he could scare it up, but couldn't. So we just enjoyed listening to it. Yeah, but out out there in that meadow, there were were some monster lubber uh, grasshoppers just... Three inch, just huge monsters out there. Every time I'd walk, it would, they would jump up. I think it's the bird, and it was just another, another grasshopper just jumping. It was, it was crazy. And at that point, it was pretty hot, and we got what we came for—the grasshopper sparrow. So we decided to celebrate. And there's nothing better for celebrating than some local craft beer. Yeah. So Hannah navigated me down to the small town of Columbus, which we hadn't been to yet, but uh, but we we're f- finally getting there after. Birding all morning at the um, Oxbow Meadows. Um, they had a really nice downtown area. There was a farmer's market that was just uh, closing up shop for the day when we got there. It's kind of what happens to us every time yeah. we get there right as they're closing. Oh, yeah. uh, and it looked like there was only one brew pub in town, so we gave it a shot. It was called the Cannon Brew Pub. It was fantastic. The beer was good. The food was good. And they had a working air conditioner. <laughs> you guys, I had a pecan fried chicken sandwich. Pecan, pecan, however you want to say it. And sweet potato fries. And it was delicious. 10 out of 10. Would go back. I was just in heaven after that sandwich. Yeah, so once I, I had a burger and, and it was it was pretty amazing. A couple beers. Yeah, a couple beers. So once we were full and we were cooled off and everything, we walked down to the Riverwalk. Um, it was about two blocks or so away from... Uh, Away from that main street. Uh, there was tons of people ziplining across the river into Alabama. There were rafters, fishermen. It was really nice. It was kind of uh, 
kind of rough looking water. There was some a little bit of a rapid area. Yeah, there were some big boulders in the water to break yeah. it up. It but was really pretty. Yeah, those, those rafters were just jumping off and just floating around in the river, so it looked really, really nice down there. So. <laughs> yeah, it looked like fun. <laughs> Uh, so Saturday, Sunday morning rolls around, uh, five o'clock, of course, and we get a little coffee from McDonald's and then hit the road back towards Florida. But first we headed right for Eufaulia National Wildlife Refuge. Yeah, Eufaulia National Wildlife Refuge, it was about an hour south of Columbus and it was just barely across the Chattahoochee River into, into Alabama. So it was kind of one of those, uh, time zone change things <laughs> that we weren't, uh, we weren't prepared for, but uh, we arrived at the entrance gate within minutes of sunrise. Uh, it had There was thick fog in the air, and it was kind of chilly. It was, well, not really chilly, but it felt nice. Crisp. Yeah, and it was a relief considering how hot it was on Saturday afternoon. It was fresh, right? Fresh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think it, was, it wasn't even 70 degrees. It was like 68 degrees or something when we got there. And like I said, I don't... I don't know what time it was that we got there. It was... Eric's I, really hung up on the time zone Yeah, the, time, the time zone thing's really... It's it's. It was like my, my car was on East Coast time, and then our watches were on the Central, Central, yeah. Central, and our phones were on something else. We don't know. Yeah, everything was flopping around. It was, it was, it was confusing for me, but at least it was 6.30 <laughs> Eastern time when we got there. I, I know that. <laughs> that was clear. <laughs> yeah. Um, and online it said the official time zone was the Alabama-Georgia border, but it was kind of a debate like you were saying. So yeah. we got there at just at sunrise, which seemed to be perfect regardless of what time it was. Yeah, the birds didn't really care about time zones. They, the sun came up, they were up. So um, I guess uh, we talked a little bit about Eufaulia. It was a pretty large refuge, um, had a huge variety of habitat types. Um, it was... It was right along the river. There were some prairies. There were some pine uplands. There was, or pine flatlands, I guess. Some wetlands. Some wetlands. There was pretty much everything you could, you could hope for in a wildlife refuge. Uh, there was, uh, the main refuge has over 11,000 acres. It spans both sides of the Chattahoochee River. So um, there's some in Georgia and some in Alabama. Yeah, some in each state there, yeah. So, um, the refuge doesn't have an entry fee, but, we brought our duck stamps anyways, uh, just for show, I guess, but we brought them. <laughs> um, and it's advertised on the um, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife website that Eufaulia is home to wintering waterfowl. So I guess we didn't go at the most ideal time, but it was still a very productive visit. Yeah, and I think it would be great any time of year um, based on our experience. Oh, yeah, middle of summer and we still saw tons of stuff. Yeah, so. and like many other states, Alabama has a statewide birding trail, um, fittingly called the Alabama Birding Trail, and Eufaula is on the trail in the wiregrass section. The Alabama Birding Trail website, it's really nice, really easy to use. It's a great resource for anyone who wants to go birding in Alabama. Yeah, so the first bit of habitat that we ran into was a little bit of overgrown prairie with some pines poking out through the dewberry brambles. Yeah, and a lot of birds were flitting around. Um, some female orchard orioles. I heard a pileated drumming on a dead snag My across favorite. the way. Um, and going down the road a little ways, we turned off into a pine forested road. Yeah, this is this is pretty much the time I've got closest to hitting a northern bobwhite. This guy seriously flew right alongside us for a second and then shot across right in front of the adventure menu. It was <laughs> it would have totaled the car. <laughs> it would have totaled the car. He was he was fast. He was right there, right right up against us. So uh needless to say we had to stop and try to try to get some pictures through the windows before he ducked down underneath the brush again. 
Um, and then we turned off another corner after seeing that Bob White and stopped another field. And this one was full of field sparrows. It had indigo buntings and orchard orioles. Um, and that seemed to pretty much be the MO for a lot of the wildlife refuge. We drove down these small roads. Uh, there'd be small little birds in the pathway far ahead of us and stop and take a look. So kind of, kind of what to expect when you're out there. Yeah. I, I would say it would probably be better if we would have had a scope with us because every time we come around a slight bend... They'd be just at the end of the bend, and we wouldn't quite be able to see very well. Most of them were pretty much the indigo buntings and the Orioles. Maybe we can start a GoFundMe so our listeners can help us afford a scope. <laughs> yeah. So um, this site yielded a ton of birds. I, I can't remember. I think we were, what was it, 48? Something like that, so, yeah. Something like that species with, with just a couple hours that we were there. It was fantastic, and I'd, I'd definitely go back again. Yeah, and like I said, I'd like to go back in the winter um, because there are those wetlands, and they'd have I think they'd have a really good variety of ducks. And we met a super nice guy while we were out there. He flagged us down and gave us a refuge map that he had made, um, and he just knew everything about wetlands. So if you need to know anything about wetlands or you follow JW, he's your guy. Oh yeah, he was he was very knowledgeable about the whole area and the history of of the wetland and everything. Yeah, very nice guy. Yeah. Um, so once we had had our fill of Eufaula for the day, um, we headed to our next intended stop, which was uh, Providence Canyon State Park, which was in Georgia. And can you believe there are canyons in the southeast? Well, there are, and we've seen them now. And this place is definitely a bucket list hike. Yeah, some of the, some of the trails looked like they were fairly long. There was a seven mile a seven mile loop that had some primitive uh, tent sites scattered throughout it that uh, I guess were permit were only allowed by permit only. But um, they weren't crazy long, so seven mile, but uh, something we weren't prepared to do that day, when, especially since it had gotten hot by the afternoon. Yeah, I was already pretty hot. Uh, but it was a beautiful sight. Even if you don't want to hike down there, there were s- several yellow-billed cuckoos calling across the canyon back and forth to each other, which was cool. And we also saw some smaller um, birds like red-eyed vireos and titmouse and chickadees. Yeah, we did get a chance to at least hike to the the bottom of the canyon there, but... Basically down to the bottom, a little bit at the bottom, turned around, came back up and mm-hmm. saw quite, quite a few birds on that little route. Um, but if you're not willing to hike down to the bottom, at least, um, the entrance road along it runs right along the rim of the canyon. It has lots of overlooks that you can look through. And it, it reminded me a lot of uh, when we were in, driving through Utah a few years back. Just on a much smaller scale. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and at that point, um, hiking around a little bit that we did, it was getting late in the day, uh, and it was getting hot, so we started to head back towards Tallahassee to end our birding weekend. Yeah, so that was was this last weekend. Yeah, it was fun. So we did Yafala. Uh, however you say that, we're probably saying it wrong, you Providence (laughs) Providence Canyon, and Oxbow Oxbow Meadows. Meadows Environmental Center. Yeah. So, in transition. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, we, good job. That's a good transition. <laughs> so, we sat down with Kristen Summers um, the other day, uh, who's the artist uh, behind Bourbon and Birdies, and we discussed with her her artwork and some other things that she's passionate about. Yeah, and then the next day, she had a reception at Hearth and Stone in Tallahassee that displayed her artwork in a home-like setting, since that's really how the store is arranged. It was a fun afternoon. They had a peach bourbon drink, which was delicious, and it was cool to look around at all the interesting things that they had for sale in the store. We're definitely going to have to go back and look. They had clothes, they had um, furniture, and just other little knickknacks, and they even had some food, too, some, like, popcorns and, like, chocolate barks and stuff that looked really good. And it was all, like, unique things that you wouldn't find, like, at a regular, like, home 
home goods store or anything like that. It was yeah. kind of like unique stuff. Yeah, and it was very welcoming store. You know, everybody was very friendly there. It was it was cool. Yeah, cool place. Yeah, so where we where we interviewed uh, Kristen, we interviewed her at uh, Finnegan's Wake in Midtown Tallahassee. We're pretty excited to share our first ever interview. Yeah, so enjoy. Yeah. So Kristen, tell us about yourself. Hi, my name is Kristen Summers. Um, I am a Florida native and I was born in Miami, traveled to Gainesville for undergrad and have now ended up in Tallahassee, Florida, the state capital. Uh, I'm an artist and I paint watercolor birds and I'm also an attorney and I like to use a little bit of all of that in my pursuit of teaching people about the environment and the wildlife that lives in it. So, uh, are you a birder in addition to painting and being a lawyer? That is... <laughs> or being, with the, doing law stuff? <laughs> yeah. um, that's a great question. I like to consider myself a birder, but if I am ever around true birders, I will not take that title. Um, I know how to identify birds when they are still and on a piece of paper, um, but once I <laughs> see a little blur of yellow and brown, um, I am hopeless with identification, so... Yes, I do like to watch them, but I'm not very good at identifying them. It's okay. A lot of us call those LBJs or little brown jobs. <laughs> some hop in the trees, you can't yeah. figure out what it is. Oh, yeah. It, there's a lot of just blurs of, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's all yellow. I might be able to guess that. <laughs> so we're both listers. Eric is more of a lister than I am, so he keeps a very detailed list on his county birds, state birds, everything. Um, do, do you do any of that sort of stuff or do you just like it for fun do you like to travel and see them i am not a lister i'm a little bit too scattered brain to be able to <laughs> be that organized uh, i do like to look at birds and go out looking for them when i travel um, especially around the state mary island and corkscrew swamp are some of my favorite places to go birding those are great spots yeah, yeah a lot have, of we haven't been to corkscrew spot um corkscrew yet no but on the way to cuba we're gonna go there oh yeah we'll definitely have to make it there it's um, amazing so how did you first uh, get into birding? So my mom will be mad at me if I don't give her a shout out because my mom <laughs> is the true bird lady of the Summers family. Um, but actually in college, I was doing a competition of wildlife ID all right. and I had to learn all of the mammals in Southeast as well as all of the birds in the Southeast. Wow. And so I started going list. to <laughs> books. Yeah. And that's when I decided, I was like, I'm not going to know all the warblers. I just know that. Um, <laughs> but I started learning them and I would go outside and what used to be just like a boring gray bird, all of a sudden I knew that was a cat bird. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I know your name. Uh, and as soon as I began to recognize them and know them for what they were, I really started getting excited about birds. It's it's really, really exciting. Cool. It's really exciting to be able to put like a name mm -hmm. to something, like whether whether it be like rocks to be able to identify the minerals, mm -hmm. or yeah. birds, or mammals, or I whatever know what it is. That is. Yeah, right. being able to point at something and say, "I know what that I is." I know your name. <laughs> so, um, so we share a lot of our birding adventures on this podcast with the few listeners that we have. Um, would you like to share a birding adventure that you have? <laughs> I do. Um, so my favorite bird of all time is a swallowtail kite. I know a lot of people love that bird. It's just so majestic with that split tail, its ability to glide. Um, and I'm a little bit of a weirdo. I always kind of ascribe some meaning to these birds. And um, I think of swallowtail kites as my you know, spiritual guide, if you will. Um, so I was out in the Cassini Prairie Preserve, which is the heartland of Florida, and it was swallowtail kite season. 
Um, so I was camping with a friend. We were out um, just sort of in the middle of the prairie, and there were some swallowtail kites gliding above us. I was like, oh, my goodness, they're leading us home. <laughs> and I was just so absolutely thrilled to see them. And then as we started getting closer to our campsite, the swallowtail kites started to dive bomb because um, apparently there was a nest right by our wow. tent. And there was a point where one of them dove so close that I could feel the wind from its wings. And I just screamed and ran into my tent and just sat there and like cried out of fear. Cause I thought, like my favorite birds are trying to kill me. Uh, so that's my favorite bird experience. That's incredible that's experience. Cool. Wow. So um, with painting and birds, which which came first? Did you start painting first? Did you start birding first and then decide you wanted to paint those? Or Yeah, so uh, birds kind of started in college. Um, I had always fiddled around with paint. Um, I've never really been what I would call an artist uh, until right after I graduated from law school and started practicing. Um, I had a friend who really liked quails, and I was like, maybe I'll paint a quail for him. And I tried it out, and I was like, dang, that quail is pretty good. And so <laughs> I was like, maybe I'll try another bird, because I seem to really like them. And they sort of just meshed with each other, and I found out that of all the things in the world that I can paint, it's my favorite animal, the bird. That's really cool. <laughs> so California's quail, right? It was a California quail. Have yep. you seen one before? I have not. Okay, so is that on your checklist to go see? Uh, yep, I guess so. <laughs> have to make it over the West Coast for them. Yeah. yeah. So um, when it comes to painting, obviously birds, but is anything else inspire, you know, your signature style or do you, what inspiration do you have? I, you know, that's kind of a, a boring answer for me to give. Um, I, I think that it's nature itself is my true inspiration. I get a lot of you know my passion for my art it just kind of comes out of me out of an expression of what I love about nature Um, I like art and I have seen other artists but I'm a self-taught painter so I don't have the true you know guiding direction of art Um, it's all just coming right out of my hands yeah. So with uh, with your paintings, is there anything specific about the birds or about yourself you're trying to portray through the paintings, or are you yeah. just really um, nilly doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of both. Right. Um, I am kind of unique in that I usually just do bird heads. I don't always do their full bodies, which you know most people who paint birds will try to get them in flight and mm-hmm. have their wings out. Um, but I really like the expression that I can get focusing on their eyes and their beak and the plumage on their head. Uh, I think that it gives the birds just so much more character and personality that people are really able to connect with the the bird that I'm trying to feature uh, to get them excited about that particular species and where it lives. All right. Yeah, that's a really cool thing to to focus on. Because like you said, so many people try to get the action of the bird, but that really does give it a personality. That's awesome. Yeah. So we see that you're looking to contribute to environmental organizations. How do you decide who you want to work with? Yeah. Um, So I think what you're talking about is the Florida Legacy print series. Mm -hmm. Um, That was something that I started back in um, April, February, April, um, to be able to give back to organizations that I feel meet my mission and like my idea of what we should be doing with the environment. So people who... um, try to work on being great stewards and educating the public 
Uh, so the first organization that I picked was Friends of Paines Prairie, um, because I think that Paines Prairie is just such a sensitive and wonderful park in the state, and I think that Paines Prairie does a really great job of educating the public about the different birds and wildlife that live there. Um, and so that kind of was the basis of my criteria, and I look for smaller organizations that can use a little bit more um, of a spotlight um, that would benefit from the meager contribution that I'm able to give them right now. Um, and also... Some well, like, every little bit helps. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> if I give them, you know, 10 bucks to Audubon, I mean, that's great, but it's not going to help them as much as if I give it to a smaller organization. That's true, yeah. Um, so I'm trying to focus on groups that really I just ha feel like have a mission uh, to help the environment and to teach the public. Yeah, so I, I guess you covered uh, kind of our next thought with the criteria that yeah. uh, they use. Um, so you mentioned that you're, uh, you took um, in law mm -hmm. and stuff. Do, does law and birding ever mix? You know? <laughs> you can tell that we're not well-versed in law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there so are laws. I've heard of them. There, there are laws, thing. yeah. And I am an attorney. I um, Right now, they don't. But uh, in undergrad at the University of Florida, I actually studied natural resource conservation and wildlife ecology conservation. And I went to law school and got a specialization in environmental land use law. Okay. Um, and my life goal for you know 15 years now has been to be an environmental attorney so that I could litigate and advocate for environmental laws and environmental protection in the state. Um, so right now, that's not what my job is. I work somewhere else and do something that has nothing to do with birds. <laughs> um, but it is my aspiration that one day I'll be able to have both of them kind of combine and have my love for the law and the love for the environment come together. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, and a lot of times those pathways somehow come together, mm -hmm. you know, down the line. Who knows? Yeah, just got to be how? patient sometimes. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> uh, so your organization's name is Bourbon and Birdies. <laughs> Do you want to give us a little insight into maybe your favorite <laughs> brand of bourbon? Yeah, right now um, I pretty much solely drink uh, Eagle Rare, which is great because it's bird themed bourbon uh, and it's also bird themed really, bourbon yeah <laughs> quite delicious with vanilla tones um but I, I came up with the name bourbon and birdies when i was sitting in a bar with some friends trying to think of what i would name a business if i were to have one um bourbon birdies i like the alliteration and it kind of stuck and so now whenever i have an art show i usually have a little glass of bourbon with me so people don't <laughs> keep asking me, where does the bourbon come in? <laughs> so along those lines, um, do you ever drink in paint or do you ever drink in bird or bowls? Uh, all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely do. Um, I drink in paint because um, why the heck not? It helps loosen up the creative juices and get some flowing. Gets you more brave to try, try new things. <laughs> yeah. So we really appreciate you sitting down with us and talking about this stuff. Is there anything else that our listeners should know about you or know about your organization or what you're trying to promote? Is there anything else you'd like to say that we didn't ask? Yeah, no, I really appreciate you finding me and having me on your show. And I think that one thing that we share in common with this podcast and my art business is just um, telling people about how amazing birds are and telling them also that there's a lot of things that affect their home and their environment that you know humans have a huge impact on and I think that acknowledging that and understanding how to help birds in their environment um, really would make the state just 
so much better of a place. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, do you want to plug your website and your, your social media? Yeah. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. It's at bourbon and birdies and my website, email address and Etsy shop are all bourbon and birdies. Okay. So definitely check out her work. Um, she's got some awesome paintings. We're going to a show in the next couple days of hers and we're super excited about it. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Us. Thank you. We really appreciate Kristen talking with us. Uh, you can find more information about her and her new Florida legacy prints, which has 10% of all snowy plover purchases going to support Tampa Bay watch and our show notes. We want to thank hearth and stone for supporting art and conservation. We'd also like to thank the bartender at Finnegan's wake for turning <laughs> the music down a bit. So we can interview Kristen. So now we're headed off uh, to bird around South Florida and Cuba. So make sure to follow us on Instagram at Hannah goes birding and on Facebook at Hannah and Eric go birding. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. We hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. hope you found a new place to go. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, and anywhere else you listen to us. If you'd like to connect with us, like I said, please follow us on Hannah Goes Birding on Instagram, on our Facebook page, or email us at hannahandairedgobirding at gmail.com. Tell us what you hated. Tell us what you liked. Um, we're working on some new things, so please check us out and uh, engage with us. We'd love to have you guys share with us, and we can't wait to see you out on the trail. Yeah, thanks. Thanks.